Hey, sun boys and sun girls, Lauren here. We're recording our episode about the Book of Esther soon, and we'd love to hear about your experiences with the holiday Purim, which I'm fascinated with because it's very different from Christian holidays because it's about killing someone who isn't Jesus. If you have a good story about celebrating Purim or what the holiday means to you, we'd love to hear from you. Email us by June 25th at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Again, that's your Purim stories sent to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol, and the deadline is June 25th. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bekulich. And let's get biblical. Yes, y'all. <laughs> okay, uh, that was cool. <laughs> um, so let's get started with our uh, our standard spiel. Okay, the spiel consists of several parts. Number one. You should have gotten a handout on this. If you didn't, you're going to fail the test. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to hell. I'm sorry. Number one, I'm the ex-Christian. And I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. And we're dating. Mm -hmm. We've been dating a long time. Mm -hmm. Many years. And uh, I'm reading the New International Version of the Bible. Um, it's I I have this copy that's a study Bible that um, has a lot of footnotes that try to take the Bible kind of literally. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be really weird in this episode. Okay. And I'm reading the New Revised Standard Version, specifically the Oxford and RSV. Uh, this is not a Bible study podcast. No, which is confusing because we do study the Bible in yes. a certain kind of way, but it's not a Christian Bible study podcast. Correct. You know what we're talking about, okay? Um, and we don't recommend it for children or people who are upset by graphic violence and sexual assault and things like that. Well, because... we recommend it to all human beings, but in its proper time. <laughs> Please engrave this on a gold disc and put it in a and safe deposit send box. send it to Mars. Yes. Put it in a safe deposit box for the time of your children's majority, at which point they can listen to this in good conscience. Yeah. Because um, the Bible has some fucked up shit in it. Mm -hmm. So we talk about one book of the Bible at a time, traditionally. Yes. Is that tradition continuing tonight? It is. Oh, super. I don't know why you would ask if it was different. Nothing about our setup indicates that it would be different. I had a little feeling, a little feeling deep in my guts. Well, that feeling was wrong, and you should go to the doctor. Okay. So <laughs> we're talking about the book of Second Chronicles. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, the same same deal as last episode. Um, <laughs> so you could just listen to that one if you wanted. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very strange little Bible book. Yeah, it's um, strange and stupid. I mean, it started out. As just one book, Chronicles, and it got split into two, mm -hmm. um, somewhere along the translation line. Uh, the title in Hebrew was Dibrei Hayamim, or The Things of the Days. The author is still the chronicler, <laughs> who sounds like an extremely ineffective superhero who just goes to crime scenes and records what he finds and doesn't actually help you out. Or a Batman villain of some kind. Um, and... Interestingly, this comes last in the Jewish Bible. Mm -hmm. um, so like if you buy a copy of the, the Tanakh, Chronicles is at the end. Because I guess it was written last, or at least it was written um, out of chronological order. That makes sense. But in the Protestant Bible and in the Catholic Bible, although I recently learned the Catholic Bible has a bunch of extra books and I'm still fucked up about it, to be honest. But... Um, in the Christian Bible, I guess it's placed in terms of like chronologically, like the events that happened rather than chronologically when it was written. Mm -hmm. It covers all the same material as Samuel and uh, Kings. Mm -hmm. And uh, we left off in the last episode with King David's death and his son Solomon's coronation. Uh, unlike in First and Second Kings, there were no uprisings from Absalom or Adonijah or any of David's children. He just pass things along smoothly to solomon and uh everything was cool yeah can you believe we're getting another fucking summary book i mean it's 
it's been like it's been two books since since Second Kings, right? Yeah, and we're already back in it. Yeah. Why are we back? Why are we doing this again? <laughs> it pains me. Look, we still have many things to learn from the Bible. It gives me a little dolor. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, free roller derby name idea for anyone out there, Pussy Dolor. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I'm just going to start off with a direct quote from my Bible's footnotes. I'm going to start off with a song from the musical Gypsy. Which song? Um, did you ever know <laughs> that you're my hero? You're fired. Okay. I'm going to start us off with a direct quote from my Bible's notes. And it says, Solomon is the new Bezalel. <laughs> so, folks, if you're trying to stay on trend this season, just remember... Solomon is the new Bezalel. I don't know what that means. I could explain it, but I won't. Let's blow through this because we've done this before. Most of this, all of this is stuff that we've covered before. However, some of it is more interesting than other bits (laughs) because the retelling in this book offers new details or alternative points of view that we hadn't gotten before. Yeah. So um, start with, you know, Solomon gets his wish granted from God Mm -hmm. that he'll be wise. Mm -hmm. Um. He builds the temple. He certainly does. Uh, Oh, in among this, one thing it added was that Solomon also conducted a census like his father David. Yeah, except for this one didn't count as a sin for some reason. What? I don't know. What does it mean? I don't know. I guess because it was like a census of aliens. What? Instead of a census of soldiers. This means nothing. Plus, like how many aliens were there? There was just like E.T. and that was it. Yeah. uh, That guy from... uh... You know, Alf. Oh, Alf, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was just Alf and E.T. The alien life form? Yeah. Eating cats. I feel like we've talked about Alf on the show before. Flipping people off with glowing fingers. It's like not much to count. Maybe that's why it wasn't a sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they build the temple, move the ark into the temple. It's a big deal because it's the first permanent temple. Solomon builds, in the process of building the temple this time, he makes 100 pomegranates and puts them on chains. Oh, that was in the last one, too. Really? I yeah. missed it. I yeah. like it. Why and what? Uh, I don't know. They just dig pomegranates. Do you want to know the Hebrew for pomegranate? I revealed it in an earlier episode. <laughs> sure, lay it on me. It's rimon. Nice. Um, that sounds like a uh, sounds like an upscale cocktail that I would get somewhere. Dude, totally. Actually, that would be a great, like a pomegranate juice cocktail. I would definitely buy that. I would spend $14 on it. <laughs> um, okay. We don't get the story about cutting the baby in half. Nope. But we do get Queen of Sheba. In this one, it includes the line, King Solomon granted the Queen of Sheba every desire that she expressed. Oh, my. Just want to let you know. Mine says that she talked with him about all she had on her mind. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It's a little little wisdom and chill kind of thing. (laughs) They're like... Two words into the riddle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Two words into the riddle and he gives her that look. Mm-hmm. So just like last time, after Solomon dies, Rehoboam takes charge, listens to his idiot friends. Yeah, tries to prove that his dick is bigger than his dad's <laughs> and causes the kingdom to split into two. Yep. So you got the southern kingdom, which is Judah, which is like the capital is Jerusalem and it's just the area around Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Got the northern kingdom, which is Israel and I guess the capital is Samaria. Uh, Reho, like, basically breaks up the kingdom due to his own incompetence. Yeah. Um, included in that incompetence, he makes his own priesthoods. Like, he, he, like, doesn't just settle for, like, the normal Jewish priests and whatever. He makes priests for the high places and for the goat demons and for the calves that he had made. Yes, and the goat demons are new in this book. Mm-hmm. So before we just had calves. Fresh-ass goat demons. Now we got some goats. Greatest of all time, demons. <laughs> I mean. Yep. Yeah, demons. Idols. Whatever. Okay, um, and so then, you know, thus begins a long line of kings uh, who fuck up and worship other gods, or some Goats. of them Some of them will, like, get rid of the idols, but not all of them, and then the next generation will be a resurgence, et cetera, et cetera. If this sounds familiar, it's because we literally talked about all of this, like, two episodes ago. Yes, but what's interesting is that the chronicler, mm-hmm. he goes a little easier on these kings. And he only focuses on the ones in Judah. He doesn't mention the ones in Israel. Mm-hmm. I think we can like pretty safely assume that he is from Judah. And also that he's a Levite because he's always talking about all the different 
official roles for all the Levites as the priestly class. That's a good point. Yeah, he was either a Levite or his bills were being paid by Levites. So like in in the book of Kings, mm-hmm. it says that Asa didn't get rid of the high places. Right. Like the high places are where they worship golden calves and goat demons, etc. Um, but in Chronicles, it says that he did get rid of them. Right. But then they're back for the next king. He Well, not for the next one because the next one's Jehoshaphat. Hmm. But yeah. But he just he seems to just be more favorable to Judah, to Judean kings. That's fair. I mean, like part of the whole narrative of this historical arc is like that David's line was like sacred. Yeah. They made a covenant of salt, it says. Yeah. God made a covenant of salt with yeah. David that his line would would always carry a lamp, it also says in this book. What are they talking about? I mean, it sounds very mystical and powerful. Yeah. Like, if someone made a covenant of salt with me and said that all of my line would always carry a lamp, I would be very yeah. impressed. Well, we'll um, we will actually explore those uh, exact images later. Okay. In later books. In VR, I assume. Yes. In 3D and in smellovision. <laughs> but yeah, like the chronicler spends way more time talking about Asa and Jehoshaphat than whoever wrote Kings did. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ahab isn't in here at all yeah i know and notice that he just like he gets killed in battle and that's it there's nothing about jezebel yeah that's true yeah so it's like i think this book is more transparently like a justification or or it's written from a very clear point of view Mm -hmm. that it's like israel in exile the people from judah are the important ones yeah well because the people from jerusalem so okay we didn't mention this the top of this episode which we should have we mentioned it in the last episode but uh, this book is written after the Babylonian exile. Mm. Um, and the Babylonian exile was like people from Jerusalem were the ones who got exiled. And the city of Jerusalem got destroyed. So this is afterward. Yeah. I mean, you can see how he's trying to like smooth things over and act like we have this illustrious history together. Let's right. all pull together and be a united kingdom again. And like connecting Israel in exile to the line of David directly. Yeah. yeah. So let's see. Well, Asa's a good king. Asa a good boy. Uh, Jehoshaphat is a good king, although he didn't get rid of the high places, and he made an alliance with Ahaziah, king of Israel. There will later be an Ahaziah, king of Judah, but this is the this one's the king of Israel. This part of this part in Jehoshaphat was really confusing because Jehoshaphat was good for like almost all his life and yeah. did a bunch of public works and yeah. good stuff, and then at the very end of his entry, it was like, oh, he made a, an alliance with Ahaziah, yeah. and so he was unfavorable. And that. they they went like halvesies on a fleet of trading ships. <laughs> um, if you but know what I'm saying, Ahaziah was wicked, and so the boats crashed. And uh, the footnotes of my Bible have this to say. The lucrative maritime trade through the Gulf of Aqba no doubt tempted Jehoshaphat to enter into this improper alliance. The lucrative maritime trade. That's what they called me in college. (laughs) Also, the chronicler keeps slipping up and calling the king of Judah the king of Israel, Mm -hmm. which um, I think really gives you a sense of how much he's trying to convey unity. Right. I mean, I don't know if it's slipping up. It could be very deliberate. So, like, he says, you know, sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, when actually Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. Right. Which I found especially confusing because there are a bunch of similarly named kings in Judah and Israel. Yeah. Can we all agree that's dumb? Show of hands. We're all raising our hands in here. Actually, literally, neither of us are raising our hands. There's zero raised hands in here. Um, Let's see. Oh, the only mention we get of Elijah is uh, a letter that he sends to... I like that it's a letter, first of all. Yeah, first of all, I like that it's a letter. Um, And it's sent to uh, Jehoram, who is Jehoshaphat's successor and who is wicked. And it includes the line, You yourself will be very ill with a lingering disease of the bowels until the disease causes your bowels to come out. Mm -hmm. But also Elijah ascended to heaven before. Jehoram was king. In the so, other one. Yeah. But he could have written a letter before he died. That's true. And he was like, deliver in 50 years. Or it could be a typo for Elisha. I, I, how could you ever make that mistake? No, I mean, they're pretty different looking letters in Hebrew, but like what? It's not like the other one picked up the first guy's clothes when he died and then wore them. How could you ever confuse the two? That's true. He did pick up his clothes and wear them. Just if you haven't listened to the episode two episodes ago. If you we don't know out. Bibble like we do. Yeah. If you're not a certified biblical expert like us. Jehu kills 
uh, well, it doesn't even mention Jezebel, but it mentions killing the rest of the house of, Ace, of uh, Ahab. Mm-hmm. And here's another here's another footnote from my Bible. Um, it is best to take the details of Chronicles as supplementary to Kings, not contradictory. How, how are you supposed to do that in the case of contradictions? They're like literally contradictory. Yeah. I like that in this telling, so when Ahab and Jehoshaphat are going to go to war uh-huh. and they go to all of the prophets and they're like, Ahab wants to get a good prophecy, right? Uh-huh. And then he's like, oh, don't go to Micaiah because Micaiah always prophesies something ill for me. And then he has this stable of like tame prophets that always good, good give good prophecies. In this telling, it explicitly says that God went to all of those prophets and was like, hey, I need somebody to convince Ahab to go to war so that I can kill him. Mm. Who among you will like step up and, you know, give the prophecy, give a false prophecy so that Ahab will go to war? So like God caused it directly, which I thought was just an interesting diversion from the way the original story was told where it seems plausible. It seems like politically realistic that there would be a group of prophets that that told Ahab whatever he wanted to hear and then that there was one who didn't. Right. I mean, I guess it was because God wanted Ahab to die that he died, but it wasn't like he was involved in every step of the process. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this book in general has a lot more like direct cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Like it'll be like, oh yeah, this guy was wicked and therefore this happened. Like therefore Aram took over. It certainly does seem like the goal of the Chronicler is to smooth out the narrative, like you said. Yeah. And just really be like, if you're bad, bad things will happen. Mm-hmm. But we could be good. See, here's our good history. We're all united people. We're all community together. Right. And I feel like the three or four good kings in here are like really good. They like do good yeah. things. And they're especially like they're portrayed especially well in this because this guy is like from Judah. Mm-hmm. And so he's like repping his hometown. Okay, so some some stuff happens. There's more kings, whatever. Um, then we get to Amaziah. Um, and this this part is not in Kings. Mm. So he raises a big army, um, including a bunch of like mercenaries from the kingdom of Israel. Mm-hmm. It's like a bunch of people from the northern kingdom, and he's going to pay them a lot of money. But then uh, a prophet tells him to ditch those dudes because like God's not with them. So he does. So he ditches them, goes out with his army, kills a bunch of foreigners, throws 10,000 people off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... It says, when Amaziah returned from slaughtering the Edomites, he brought back the gods of the people of Seir. He set them up as his own gods, bowed down to them, and burned sacrifices to them. Mm -hmm. And then a prophet is like, um, well, the direct quote is, why do you consult this people's gods which could not save their own people from your hand? Which, like, good fucking question. Like, who does that? Great question. Why would you, like, you're victorious, you conquer this land you throw everybody off a cliff and then you're like oh i want their gods they seem great i don't understand this and this really started to piss me off when reading these this like condensed smoothed out version of this you know Mm -hmm. when it's not when it's not as like choppy with like multiple sources and like when it doesn't feel as like ancient and biblical then it's just really a story of people making the same mistake over and over and over and over and over and over over again. Fair. And it starts to get really irritating, and I can't, like, separate from it. Because in this case in particular, it was, like, three-quarters of the way through Chronicles. This is the same mistake 98% of the kings have made. Yep. And And it's like we just read about it in Kings. And we're not even talking about Judah, where— I mean, sorry, we're not even talking about Israel, where they every single king makes the exact same mistake. Yeah. So it's it's like— how many, 50 kings does do this over and over and over again? Yeah, something like that. What are we supposed to gain from this? I mean, in this book in particular, they all get punished. Like, the punishment is immediate and fits the crime. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess we're supposed to get, like, a very clear lesson about what's allowed and what's not allowed. I get it, though. I get it. Right. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not, I'm not living in Israel, like, just after the Babylonian exile, <laughs> so I really don't need this lesson. Honestly, and I got it the first time we went through these stories. Yeah. And then in this recap episode, it's like I super get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what to, I don't know what to tell you, baby. Uh, I, don't I love think... you. And this Bible is weird. I don't think you can make it right. <laughs> you you know what? I'm not even going to try. Um, so back to Amaziah. Mm-hmm. He idiotically decides to take the side of the losing gods. 
and then he gets punished because oh then he like for some reason gets real like cocky about this he's like oh no i have these new gods that can lose battles i'm so excited mm-hmm. and then he like challenges israel and then like the king in israel which is jehoash or joash kills him and steals a bunch of stuff from the temple and- yeah yeah. People sacking the temple left and right. Sacking and repairing the temple left and yeah, right. Yeah, that happens book. every like every generation or so. Uh then we get like King Uzziah. He gets leprosy because he uh burns incense to the Lord himself instead of letting the Levites do it. Yeah, I like the the scene that this paints is is kind of nice because it's like he is a good king for a while mm-hmm. and then he gets proud mm-hmm. and he's like why are the Levites the only one that can go into the house of God and burn incense? And he goes in there and he burns incense. And then the priests are like, you can't do that. And he turns around. He's angry. He's furious. And then all the priests see the leprosy start to like break out on his yeah. forehead. Yeah. I mean, he, he got off easy when you think about Aaron's sons back in like Exodus or Numbers or something. <laughs> like they were Levites. They yeah. were Aaron's firstborn sons. They're like the first Levite priests. And uh, they lit incense wrong and got fucking smoked. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are we ready for a break? I'm ready for a break. So I know this doesn't feel like a natural place to take a break. Does it ever? <laughs> it does maybe after, you know, like, let's say two miles of your four-mile run or something like that. Or like two whiskey and gingers like I've had. <laughs> But we're going to take one anyways. You're going to hear some music, and then we'll be right back to finish talking about Second Chronicles. Back to Sunday School Dropouts. We're talking about Second Chronicles. My name is Nico. And I'm Lauren. And when we left off, I was getting mad. I was getting angry. <laughs> but we were talking about Uzziah, aka Azariah. And just like all of the other freaking stupid kings in this book, uh, he dies. Yeah. And his son takes over. It's Jotham. Nothing. It's Gotham? <laughs> is this Batman's origin story? Forget it, Lauren. It's Gotham. <laughs> It's a little classic movie reference <laughs> where you screw up the names and it's not funny or interesting. Great. Let's keep it. Uh, his son is a, is a fellow named Ahaz. And based on what I read in this book, Ahaz is like the worst king of all time. Can we all agree on that? Um, I don't know. Is he worse than Ahab? Well, I mean, since we don't get the in-depth, we don't get the chronicler's opinions on Ahab in this book, he's... He's sort of like just an outside evil guy. Yeah. We get in-depth breakdown of all the stuff that makes Ahaz evil in this book. Okay. Do you want to tell me about it? Because I actually didn't take any notes about Ahaz. Yeah. So (laughs) uh, Ahaz does everything wrong in terms of religious stuff, first of all. First of all. That's always the root of everyone's problem. Yeah. The root of everyone's problem is that they fucking love worshiping other gods. Mm -hmm. So he like sets up all the temples he can to everybody. He sets up high places everywhere. He's worshiping every Baal that you can find. Blah, blah, blah. Sets up poles. He's setting up new poles. People even haven't heard of these poles before. They're like, what's this pole? I've <laughs> never heard of this pole. He's like, check out Keep this new pole Keep your daughter off I the Asherah pole. Mm-hmm. I think you made that joke before. I think we cut it for time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Ahaz goes out and he loses a war, uh, not just to Aram, but to Israel and Edom. Yeah. He loses to everybody. Yeah. They all sack Jerusalem. Um, he also sends to Assyria for help while he's being beaten by Aram, Israel, and Edom. Mm-hmm. And instead of sending help like he expected, uh, obviously Assyria invades and sacks Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah. So he missteps in every possible way that a king can misstep in the Bible. 
So I guess he is worse than Ahab. I mean, he's like the same name as Ahab, but like the B has become a Z. Do you think he's like 24 24 times? letters worse. Yeah. yeah. I do. I do. Uh, then uh, is the next one Hezekiah? He uh, cleans up the temple. He repairs the utensils that got broke. Everyone during... contributes things very happily. They all contribute their gold. Oh, he does all the right offerings. Yeah, the high places are gone. The Asherah poles are gone. Everything's going great. Hezekiah invites everybody in the country over for Passover. Yes. Not everybody comes, though. Um, it leaves out the Assyrian exile. Two episodes ago, we accidentally called it the first Babylonian exile because mm-hmm. we were confused. It's actually the Assyrian exile. But, um, I That's mean, going like, on in Israel. Yeah, it's, it's going in on in Israel, not in Judah. But, like, it seems like a maybe not a strategic omission, but, like, definitely something you wouldn't mention. It, it would make the it would make the history more complicated if yeah. you were looking at it from afterwards. You'd be like, oh, our you know our brothers in in faith or whatever are we're also in exile. Yeah, and we do get the episode where like a different king of Assyria threatens Jerusalem, but an angel kills all his dudes and he withdraws. Sadly, we don't we don't get the threat that the people in Jerusalem will drink their own piss and eat their own shit. No, it's not as colorful this time. Yeah. But um, it's a great scene. Actually, that scene where in Assyria is invading is actually is actually rather nicely rendered in this book, I think. Do you want to say more? Yeah. I mean, so Assyria is coming. They obviously have many, many more people and they're a big army and whatever. Hezekiah has like a nice Braveheart moment when he's like walking the walls and being like, you know, if he's out there with all his men and chariots, but we have something he will never have, which is like a true God that's mm-hmm. on our side, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, and the Assyrian king is like trying to sow sedition amongst the uh, the ranks of the, of the Jerusalemites yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like he's got people walking around being like, you know what? That king isn't so great. Yeah, Hezekiah doesn't know what he's talking about. We've beat everyone else, so we're going to beat you. You yeah. shouldn't follow him. It's like, why would you think that your god is so special that Assyria won't beat you too? Yeah. Of course. The secret is their god is that special. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, in, the, in, in Second Kings, um, there was like a really interesting scene where some officials from Assyria were talking with some of- officials from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And the officials from Jerusalem were like, hey, talk to us in Aramaic mm. because we speak Aramaic. Um, but the people from Assyria insisted on speaking in Hebrew so that all the commoners around them could understand what they were saying, which mm. was like, you're going to die and you're going to eat your own shit. Um, that is good stuff. And this one... Not the shit. I mean, the <laughs> literature. Um, in this one, we don't get that exact scene, but we do get that like the Assyrians are, are telling everyone in Jerusalem, like in Hebrew, don't believe Hezekiah. But they do, and they win. And also, this uh, this book, Second Chronicles, also mentions the uh, the irrigation tunnel. Oh, I love it. Which seems like the most important. It's a canal, baby. Yeah, canals. And like, you gotta connect your city to a water source. Like, who wouldn't do that now? You know, like irrigation. It's basic. I it's, mean, it's important king stuff, baby. Yeah. Was it a man, a plan, a canal? Yeah, Hezekiah. <laughs> Uh, according to my Bible's notes, the chronicler basically treats Hezekiah as the second Solomon. So, mm. you know, Solomon is the new Bezalel, but Hezekiah is the new Solomon. Yeah, and Hezekiah's has Hezekiah has the best uh, Passover of recent memory in this book mm-hmm. until one a little bit later. Yeah, and he also has definitely the best festival of unleavened bread. Oh, for sure. It's off the chain. Yeah. It, go, it goes seven days. Yeah. And then people are so hype that they speak up and it goes another seven days. Damn. I'm going down. I am going down. You could say it was lit, fam. <laughs> Baby, you're fired. <laughs> oh, no. I was trying to up my Q rating by apl- appealing to the demo. Was that, did that not, not come through? Oh, no. Uh, so then we get uh, next couple kings are huge fuck ups. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like in the last retelling of it, Manasseh definitely seemed like the biggest idiot to have ever held the throne. Yeah. 
in this one, I think they backgrade that to Ahaz a little bit. Manasseh, yeah, Manasseh but I mean, but they still—they're all fucked up. Yeah, I mean, Manasseh is like putting Asherah poles like in God's temple, like in the holiest temple, the understand. first permanent temple to God. He's like, yeah, stick an Asherah pole in there. I just don't get it either because like most of these kings come of age, you know, between the ages of like twenty and forty. Like, yeah. So they've lived for a while under a, the just rule of a like king that's favored by god yeah how in hell could they have not seen what was going on and be like i want more of that dude because this shit is irresistible (laughs) you know like they're not they're not like stopping worshiping god Mm -hmm. he's like in the mix it's just but some of them are like fucking up the temple yeah i mean but like if you were like a polytheist if you believed in your heart that there was like you know several gods that you could call on mm-hmm. maybe you'd want to you know consolidate them all into one temple it's just convenient but if you were like so these people at this point are like the 10th generation down from david <sighs> you know yeah. yeah the only reason you're king is because david made a covenant with one god yeah covenant of salt yeah you're carrying the lamp because of david yeah and this one god and if as i've been told it's good to be the king surely would you not extrapolate that you want to be thankful for that for that gift and be thankful to that God? The answer? A resounding no for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Noted. Uh, and then we get to Josiah. Um, as we already know, he he's the best. He gets rid of all the idols again. He repairs the temple. He rediscovers the Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, reinstates Passover. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. He throws the best Passover of all time. Yeah, this is the the new best Passover of all time. Yeah. So we first talked about Josiah two episodes ago in the episode about Second Kings with guest Garrett Conley. Mm-hmm. So after we recorded that episode, he was a charming fellow, wasn't he? He was. Uh, after we recorded the episode, I forget what you were doing, but I went out <laughs> with Garrett. What were you doing? I have no idea. What oh, okay. You're talking you about. were doing. You were like recording music or something. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And uh, I went out with Garrett. Uh, he did a reading at, at the Booksmith, great mm. local indie bookstore if you're in San Francisco. And um, we went out for drinks afterward, and we met a guy named Josiah. Oh, wow. And we were like, oh, my God, dude, like, we literally just recorded an episode about Josiah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, like, Josiah, like, we found the Torah. He restored the temple. And we're like, yeah, dude, we know. And it turned out that he had grown up Christian, too. Uh-huh. And he actually was there, like, he couldn't make the reading, but a friend had been like, oh, yeah, we're going out with this guy afterward who was raised Christian and, like, went to ex-gay therapy and you should come. And he bought us all for net shots. Oh. And we all uh, drank to our uh, terrible Christian childhoods. Oh. That sounds sweet and fun. Yeah, it was great. That's awesome. Um, and it's Actually, it's a good thing you weren't there because uh, Josiah dies in battle against a pharaoh named Nico. Who, in this retelling of the book, worships the same god as the jews are you really that's that's what it's that's certainly what it seems like so here's what it says in hang on uh, i gotta do my uh my extremely high quality foley work right now beautiful what are you dusting off mites or something okay go uh 35 21 but nico sent envoys to him saying what have I to do with you, king of Judah? I am not coming against you today, but against the house with which I am at war. And God has commanded me to hurry. Cease opposing God, who is with me, so that he will not destroy you. Oh, shit. But Josiah would not turn away from him and disguise himself in order to fight with him. He did not listen to the words of Nico from the mouth of God, but joined battle in the plains of Megiddo. And King Josiah dies in that battle because he opposed a messenger of God. So I've actually been to the plain of Megiddo. Yeah. That's crazy. I know exactly what that looks like that's pretty cool but um that's crazy what does that mean did you do any research on this i didn't do any i didn't either except that the footnotes to my in my bible which are often very which are very scholarly and uh are very like they're not like super religious they're not meant to make you believe in god or whatever yeah exactly they say in this version you know pharaoh nico is explicitly a messenger of god well in any case that's weird (laughs) isn't that weird yeah what does that mean i don't know so that that is along with that one prophet from way back who was like uh, an itinerant prophet guy who also spoke to God for a little while. Um, do you remember that fellow? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
the one uh balam balam yeah balam balam yeah so he's like right in that camp of people from outside who are doing god's will yeah who are, who are like messengers of god but aren't actually jews very interesting so anyway after josiah dies we get a few more uh wicked kings and uh god punishes them for their wickedness by letting nebuchadnezzar king of babylon take over he destroys jerusalem and like kills everyone and then everyone who isn't killed is exiled to yeah. Babylon, and that's the Babylonian exile. Right. And this is, like, written after that. And unlike Kings, it ends with a detail that says that eventually Cyrus, king of Persia, takes over Babylon, mm-hmm. and then he lets the Jews go back to Jerusalem. Right. That's a detail that was not in the first retelling. Yeah. yeah. And so that does it for Second Chronicles. Yes. This is a very mysterious book to me it it feels very mysterious Um, to me as well like okay we've talked a little bit about you could definitely intuit some of the reasons why the chronicler wrote this that Mm -hmm. have to do with like political unity and like you know establishing history and the idea of a community and stuff like that um, making judah look better but what seems crazy to me like i understand why it was written but i don't understand why it's still included in the bible i agree 100 percent because this retelling of it, even though it differs in small spots here and there, is essentially exactly the same. Well, but the differences are why I don't understand why it's included. Hmm. You know, like, I, I tried to research this a little bit and I couldn't really find an easy answer because, like, it was put in the canon, like, a really long time ago. Like, it's in, you know, like, the Hebrew. And I'm not sure if you know this, but some people are, like, really fucking weird about this book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was put in the canon, like, you know, when it was still in Hebrew, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there's like the Septuagint and it's in the Septuagint. And then there was like, you know, whatever, centuries and centuries of Christian compiling and editing or whatever. And so this was included really early. But um, this book, like, single handedly destroys the possibility of reading the Bible as the, quote, literal and inerrant word of God. Hmm. How so? In small and big ways, like everything, like sometimes it's just like, oh, Asa got rid of the high places or Asa didn't get rid of the high places. Mm -hmm. But then like in First Chronicles, it was like instead of God telling David to to run a census, Mm -hmm. Satan told him to run a census. Like that's a pretty big difference. Like that's as big a difference as you can get. Um, And like believing in biblical literalism Mm -hmm. is like a very popular thing like approximately a third of the u.s believes that that the bible is literally and inherently the word of god okay but like this book destroys that possibility yeah i don't know i mean i don't know shit about shit but what i take from that is that like the earliest compilations of the bible Mm -hmm. were not meant to be taken literally they can't have been because, I mean, even if you ignore, like, the quote-unquote special problems of, like... Sure. The garbage numbers that are full. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, it says there was, like, 10 million people and, like, yeah. 10 million people weren't even alive back then or whatever. Like, this just directly contradicts so many things that are in the book of Samuel and Kings. Which are not that far apart in the book. It's not like they hid this at the end or something like that. Right. Well, I mean, this is like... it is at the end in the Hebrew Bible. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But, like... It's weird that it's still in the Christian Bible. Like, there's plenty of other books that didn't make it into the Christian Bible. I mean, like, we saw in the past couple books, they were always referring to, like, you know, as for whatever else he did, isn't it recorded in the annals of the kings? Well, that book is lost. Right. But, like, how come that book is lost and this one was, like, taken such special care of? That's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe the Chronicler had influence. I mean, like, yes, I mean, I think that the chronicles, like the chronicler's political goals, probably were important to the people who compiled this. Mm-hmm. But they could have also edited out all the inconsistencies. They definitely could have, you know? easily, because they were obviously working from source texts, right? Or they could have edited the stuff in Samuel and Kings, mm-hmm. but they didn't. So, like, either they like didn't have the same concept of literalness that mm-hmm. we have now, or um, they didn't mean for it to be taken literally there's also the idea that like a lot of like the contradictions are 
are supposed to be interpreted in a certain way. Right. Know? And this this book actually explicitly mentions a midrash in it. Yeah, because it it's kind of like a midrash, but then also not. A midrash is like a rabbinic commentary. Right. It says it says in some parts of it, like in the La- in Kings and whatever, it's like, and for the rest of its story, is it not recorded in the annals of the kings of Judah and Israel or yeah. whatever? And this one, it says like, um, and are all his deeds or whatever not also spoken of in the story of Ido or whatever his name is? They mention a particular and, and story translates as Madrash. So it's like mm. it's 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 this book specifically refers to like contemporary commentary writ- written commentaries in, and interpretations of the text that it's talking about. Yeah. So it's definitely not supposed to be like a definitive history, in, you know, in a weird kind of way. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's history written from two different points of view. Mm-hmm. So it's like definitive in like a very postmodern sense, but like or pre was... pre modern in this case, right? Yeah, but it was written in like 500 BC or something. Where our, where ideas about history were different. I mean, yeah. they were just like yeah, recording exactly what happened was not the important thing that history would do. Yeah, so like I don't know. It's so bizarre because to take the Bible literally, mm-hmm. you basically have to not have read the Bible or like not read all of it. Sure. Yeah. Which like. Talk about a paradox. Well, Christianity was around for whatever, 1,200, 1,300 years before people started reading their own Bibles, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. But like, this was put together even before that. I don't know. It's just weird. It's weird. It's weird that that's such a popular opinion that the Bible is literally and inherently true. And uh, it's impossible. It's crazy to me. I didn't realize that like, you know, I always knew like, oh, there's the creation story, and it says, like, the world was created in six days. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I never took that literally. You know, like, I I knew there was evolution, and there was, you know, the world was millions of years old and not 6,000 years old, whatever. Um, and I knew there was stuff in the New Testament, you know, that contradicts the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really aware that there was, like, this exact same story told twice in ways that contradict each other mm-hmm. so deeply the deepest one being god, god told him to take the census satan, satan yeah. told him to take the census yeah i don't know i tried to look up i i looked up all this stuff on how the biblical canon was formed and like what role chronicles plays in that and i'm sure there's a ton of scholarship on it and i didn't really get too deep in it but like there were some really interesting quotes from biblical scholars who were like yeah any any actual biblical scholar will tell you that you can't take the Bible literally. Right. And they're like, you know, they're like true believers. They're like really devout Christians. And they're like, you can't take it literally because of Chronicles. Like that's Hmm. their biggest Hmm. stumbling block. And then like, there were some really interesting quotes that I read that were like, it's stupid of us to try and force biblical literalism on young Christians because then they're like, well, this isn't true. And then they completely abandon the faith. That's a good point. I yeah. Mean, that is part of what has turned you off to it. I mean, like. I mean, yeah, not this exact thing because I didn't realize, but, you know. <laughs> but that idea. Yeah. Or that, not even that idea, but that sort of way of thinking. That, that it's not a nuance, not a nuanced thing. Like yeah. you and, uh, you and Garrett were talking about like literature and the Bible. Yeah. Like you wanted to see shades of gray. You wanted to understand nuance and, and the in-between stuff that makes yeah. up real life. You know, as opposed to the black and white of the Bible. But, like, the Bible is not black and white. The Bible is in between stuff, too. Yeah. And there's, like, some really good literature in the Bible. But, like, often when you're, like, in practice, in the U.S. at least, mm-hmm. you're not, like, taught about that stuff. No, it would take a compli- – it would, it would require a complicated conversation to talk to somebody about faith when using a text as – not muddled necessarily, but as – as nuanced inflected or whatever as as the as literature rather than as morality Mm -hmm. play you know and like when you're a young christian in the u.s you get it all as morality play and even like anything that's nuanced it's like oh yeah like david had all these really like complex feelings and this is why this is wrong and this is right Mm -hmm. you know whereas like i just want to stop at david had complex feelings that's all that's interesting to me now so do you think it's time to, I don't know, get back to the to the podcast we usually make where we m- make a jokem and talk funny? Oh, you're talking jokem ups. <laughs> mm. Maybe it's time to rate this book. 
What about that? All right. You can rate this book. Okay. So, Lauren, how would you rate this book? I am going to give it five out of ten rediscovered Torahs. Nice. Nice. That's a surprisingly high rating based on what you've said so far. Well, I'm going to give it half credit for destroying biblical literalism and then half credit half credit off for taking the ability to believe in biblical literalism away from me wow that's all i'm gonna say about that i'm nodding i'm nodding like i'm hearing like the sheriff of nottingham (laughs) oh jesus christ (laughs) oh boy i am gonna give this book 25 out of 100. Whoa. That's... Biblical oh. contradictions. Is oh! Damn. Because it's it was real bad. Like, I mean, like, it's so stupid to have this book so soon after the other books. <laughs> like, at least... You think they should have just kept the ordering like it is in the in the Hebrew Bible? You have to. You have to. At least let us get some distance between this stuff. Because, like, how am, how is it supposed to make any impact on me at all if I'm like, yeah, I've read this story? Yeah, I fucking know. And so it's like, then, especially because of that, we focus on the tiny differences, which, like you said, expose some problems. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is clearly the work of a person and not mm-hmm. of God, because, like, God doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> Maybe it's just evidence of a fucking... Uh... Of a fallible God? Yeah. Maybe, in it, but that's not what it's saying. Right. <laughs> that's what it's saying, but that's not what it's saying. I mean, it, doesn't ever, it never says that God is infallible. That's true. Here, it just says he's, like, all-powerful. Like, he could do whatever he wants. <laughs> it doesn't say he can't make mistakes. So, it, if that is what the book is, then if it's... If there's a drunk driver at the wheel of the universe... <laughs> <laughs> then it flips all the way back around yeah. and, like, becomes brilliant again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it doesn't do that for me and in this reading of it. Maybe next time we go through the Bible, when we when we start over back at the beginning, at the uh-huh. end of this stretch. And, <laughs> when and we do season two. <laughs> season two, when we do every single book again. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what the rating is like this time. All right. Um, but, you know, it had good stories in it. It had some nice, uh, nice scenes. But overall, like I said during the episode, it's painful to see these people make the same mistakes over and over again and get punished the same way. Yep. Disappointing. Yep. I'm disappointed. We're all disappointed. We're especially disappointed because that's the end of the show. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank you so much for listening. And uh, stay tuned after the credits. We have a special song for you. Yes, we'll remind you about it again in a minute. Before that, we want to do some special thank you style stuff. First of all, we want to thank Elise Carlton for our logo and our art. And we want to thank Nico for our, uh, what do you do? Sound design, uh, music, uh, editing, uh, everything. You're welcome. Uh, we also want to let you know that you can find us on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. Yep. Feel free to get in touch. And we talk. on Facebook, same uh, same thing, Sunschool Drop, or you can just search for Sunday School Dropouts. We have a website. Uh, it's called SundaySchoolDropouts.lol. SundaySchoolDropouts.lol. You can send us email to contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. And uh, do send us email in the next week if you have any stories about celebrating Purim as a child, like what you did on the holiday, what you think the story is, uh, what you learned, anything like that. You have one week. Uh, any any stories you have about Purim, celebrating Purim, story you learned on Purim, anything like that. Yeah, we want to hear about it because we want to talk about it. And once again, you can send any of that info to us, to our email address at contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. If you like the show, please, 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 please rate and review us on iTunes. It's like the lifeblood of podcasts. Weirdly. We can talk about it. It's like a whole thing. Like there's this whole like. No, 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 no. Don't talk about it. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The important thing is if you're cool and funny. And we know you are because you're listening to the show. Duh. The most important thing you can do to let other cool and funny people know about the show is to rate and review it on iTunes. All you have to do is click on the little thing that indicates how many uh, speckled goats you would give it out of five. 
Yeah, or like rediscover Torres or whatever. Or whatever. Um, if you want to write a review letting everybody know how it changed your life or it didn't, um, you can feel free to do that. But that is the best way to help other people find the show, which is the thing that would delight us above all else, except, of course, the hand of the sweet lord above coming down and pinching our behind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Uh, on that note, um, we will sign off and we will leave you with a special song. Special song. Hello. Special song. My name's Nico. I'm Lauren. And we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye. These are the kings in the book of chronicles. Yes, indeed, they're all canonical. May God Maddie dropped his monocle. Here are all their names. First we start with Saul and David Solomon was well-behaved Rehoboam widely hated Then the kingdom split These are the kings that ruled in Judah In Jerusalem, hallelujah Some were bad and some were good Let's get down to business Abijah was the son of Rehoboam Asa comes next in our poem Jehoshaphat could really show him How to praise the Lord Jehoram and Ahaziah Then came a queen named Athaliah All her murders made God cry Next is young King Joash Well, Joash was an evil king There's still a lot of song to sing Amaziah, Azariah, then came Jotham Ahaz, Hezekiah, Manasseh, and Naaman King Josiah was pretty awesome Found a hidden book Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim with an M Followed by Jehoiakim with an M Zedekiah brings us to the end of our stupid song These are the kings in the book of chronicles Yes, indeed, they're all canonical May God Maddie dropped his monocle Those were all their names Those were all 